0: Welcome to Caldwell Medicine Review, episode 57. The only podcast in the world. You know, I didn't think of that. I didn't think of one for this episode. I'll think of one later. The only podcast in the world that hopes to do part of his intro later on in the episode. Because he's too unprepared to do it properly. It is April 20th, 2017. 420 dudes! Smoke them if you got them. This song you're listening to here is called Spyglass by Kevin McLeod. And you can check out his website in Compatech.com for royalty free music and graph paper. I picked this song to start the show off with because I had it stuck in my head before the show started. called Little Madison Review the only podcast in the world that opens it with the song stuck in his head I think I don't listen to every podcast so all my this only podcast in the world is uh, pure speculation some pretty big news since the last show big news at fox news bill o'reilly is out i want to pull up a couple articles regarding that We've got some other topics too Aaron Hernandez, of course, It's a big news story. We'll go over that quickly. You got some interesting news on the whole protest, Berkeley protest stuff. Yeah, I was planning on going over that before. I don't you know, I didn't. Or didn't go over much. Excuse me while I pull up the articles, I'm using the music as a filler. It helps with dead airspace. You know, one day I might start preparing for the show. Some days I do. Most days I don't do much. Alright. There goes the music, so now I need to start talking at a higher rate. Well, I got uh, two articles here. One in on the Washington Post. One on Breitbart. I'll start with Breitbart here. Report: Fox News is parting with Bill O'Reilly, and it begins the article with an update. Fox News has officially cut ties with Bill O'Reilly through the company's network parent company, Networks Parent Company, 21st Century Fox. The Murdochs issued a statement on. Wednesday afternoon, quote, after a thorough and careful review of the allegations, the company and Bill O'Reilly have agreed that Bill O'Reilly will not be returning to the Fox News channel. Before I get further into the story, I didn't mention that, of course, this is a live show. And if you are listening live, you already know that. The number to call in is... Always the same six oh two seven five three three zero zero five six oh two seven five three three thousand five and if you're listening to this on either iTunes or uh, another site I've noticed quite a few random sites have the blog talk radios podcast feed I just think they pick up any podcast feeds they can if you're listening to that uh, we are live Mondays and Thursdays at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. So, I'm going to read this article here. Well, there's uh, there's also been some schedule changes, but I guess I'll get to that later and get to the meat of the story here. The Murdoch family has reportedly decided, decided to pull the O'Reilly factor off air amid allegations of sexual harassment against primetime host, Bill O'Reilly, and will soon be officially announcing his departure according to sources close to Gabriel Sherman in New York Magazine. Now, they had the update that I already read. That would be their statement. I'm guessing <clears throat> according to Sherman, the decision was primar- uh, primarily driven by Rupert Murdoch's son, James, and uh, well, Le- oh, boy, uh, Lackland possibly. After the New York Times reported earlier this month that 13 million had been paid out from either Fox News or O'Reilly to five women to settle their sexual harassment claims against the host in lieu of litigation, despite O'Reilly's denying of or denying the veracity of the claims. A little bit more from the article: Fox News executives are. Re- Partly meeting on Wednesday to discuss, so that would be yesterday, how to contain any damage from an O'Reilly dismissal, blah, 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 blah. So obviously big news there. Now there were the allegations floating around in the news in the last week or so, or I guess longer than that. Now I remember some older stuff too, but it kind of seemed to fade away. Um, And I got this Washington Post article as well titled Bill O'Reilly's Fox News career comes to a swift end amid growing sexual harassment claims. And I'm not sure if they add any other uh, noteworthy information. Taking a look at it right now, Fox News on Wednesday ended its association with Bill O'Reilly, the combative TV host and commentator who ruled cable news ratings for nearly two decades and was the signature uh, figure rather, uh, not fidger, in the network's rise as a powerful political player. The conservative-leaning host downfall was swift and steep, set in motion less than three weeks ago by revelations of a string of sexual harassment complaints against him. The question about his conduct represented yet another black eye to Fox, which had dealt with a sexual harassment scandal involving its co-founder and then-chairman Roger Ailes. Just last summer. So now what there was a statement from Bill O'Reilly, and I should probably find that. It was very brief. Something to the effect that he regrets the situation over unfounded claims or something of that sort. Maybe I can find it on the Breitbart article a little bit easier. Still looking, not finding. You know, I had a tool to highlight some of the uh, sections in news articles that I do on the show. You know, highlight quotes or key points I'd like to go over. However, it doesn't seem to work well with news sites since the, the editors will adjust the text or make... Or correct errors, or whatever, add information, and uh, the all of the highlights typically disappear. So there we have that. Uh, the other big news going has been going around in the mainstream media was former New England Patriots aaron hernandez found dead in prison cell i guess before i get on to that i did want to make a point on bill o'reilly i've never was a huge fan of him uh i think well i never really watched fox news really anyway but i think yeah i think uh I think I tried to maybe give him a chance or something like that. Like, oh, here's a, here's a, you know, guy with opinions or whatever. (laughs) I'll I'll give a listen and, um, yeah, I just, I just couldn't really, really put up or bear him for too long. And, so I can't say, like, he'll be missed by me or anything. But it is interesting to see these, uh, Conservative voices, are so-called conservative. I don't know. I don't know if I would call Bill O'Reilly a conservative. I'm sure he'd call himself that. But uh, yeah, it is noteworthy of the conservatives taking a dive here. Now I don't know who I could name. I guess Bill O'Reilly, he one of these gets a scandal. Roger Ailes, just the owner. Um, but there were like the scandals with or so-called scandals with Andrew Napolitano supposedly being benched. Tommy Loren getting knocked off the blaze. Milo Yiannopoulos getting removed from CPAC after his pretty strange comments. And what else? There's There's been some other stuff too. And uh, I guess another major thing to note would be the YouTube uh, demonetization policies. I didn't say that right, but a lot of prominent YouTubers are pretty much demonetized now. A lot of ones that I will listen to that talk about, I guess, so-called controversial topics. I would just call them real life myself. They have been demonetized because of advertisers pulling out of YouTube. So it's almost like a top down assault on any kind of, oh, I don't know, I guess conservative or controversial kind of media. And uh, forcing YouTube channels that were once making money are now making fractions of the money that they used to in the last few weeks or, or months or so, resorting to other forms of funding like Patreon and the like. So interesting topic there to talk about. So if I actually made any money doing this, I could tell you how much I've lost. But I don't make any money doing this. (laughs) So, moving on from the news kind of topic, or uh, presenting the news kind of topic, um, Aaron Hernandez found dead after hanging in prison cell. An article on ESPN.com. Former NFL star Aaron Hernandez, who is serving a life sentence for murder a murder conviction just days ago, was acquitted of double murder, died after hanging himself in a prison cell early Wednesday, Massachusetts prison's official set. Guards found Hernandez unresponsive in a cell at de Souza Correctional Center in Shirley, just after three AM, Department of Correction spokesman Christopher Fallon said in a statement, the former New England Patriots tight end was pronounced dead at UMass Memorial Health Alliance Hospital in Leominster. About an hour later, he was 27. An article goes on to say he was in a single prison cell, hanging himself with a bedsheet attached to a cell window. Now, he was acquitted of. That, uh, As the article said, the double murderer, however, he was still serving life for another crime. Let me look down the article a little bit more. Law enforcement sources told ABC News that Hernandez was found with John 316 written across his forehead. Bible verse that reads, "For God so loved the world that He gave Him His only begotten Son, and whoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life." Uh, let's see, film was not aware of any note written. I guess that would be the note. This is not foul play. That is, I guess, it, it, if he was in a prison cell locked up. It would be hard to imagine he was, but I don't know all the details of the story. Down the article, a little bit down, uh, it says Hernandez was moved to tears on Friday after he was acquitted of the 2012 fatal shootings of Daniel D. aru and Zafiro Furtado in Boston. Just before his acquittal, Hernandez was seen blowing kisses to the little girl he fathered with fiancé Cheyenne. Jenkins-Hernandez. Hernandez was still serving a life sentence without possibility of parole for his conviction in a 2013 shooting of Odin Lloyd, a semi-professional football player who was dating Jenkins-Hernandez's sister. Moving on to an entirely different topic. Report Antifa lock attacker from Berkeley, identified as college professor Eric Clanton. So this is regarding the protests, Berkeley protests for the Freedom Rally, I think it was called, over the weekend, where there were news reports of uh, violence, and the news reports from the mainstream media making it seem like... uh, Two groups were attacking each other kind of equally where you look at YouTube videos on the ground and hear of reporters that were on the ground telling a completely different story. Seemed there were quite a few clashes throughout the day. Fist fights were breaking out randomly. uh, And then things, the tide kind of turned. Now I watched, there's a few videos on YouTube I watched of see Lauren Southern Luke Radowski and I think one other gentleman I don't I don't remember his name unfortunately um pretty much saying that they felt there was a stand down there were there was a small police presence and when the antifa antifa came the police seemed to have disappeared Even reports of some people asking for assistance from the police and them not getting either getting out of their cars or or whatever, wherever their post was. So it looked to be a stand down order. Antifa members were recorded throwing M80s, bricks, and other things, swinging glass bottles. I've seen. Uh, and then this story recovers or covers a man getting hit in the head with a bike lock, heavy piece of metal. Um, what I was going to say is, I think I was getting into sorry story how the movement turned into a. or the tide kind of turned when uh, Antifa person threw a smoke bomb into the street and he threw it downwind and the smoke blew into the Antifa crowd people uh, rushed forward on the uh, I don't know if I, some people, you know, like the media calling them Trump supporters, I guess guess they were Uh, the free speech rally members or whatever kind of moved in Now, the upsetting part about the media reporting it as if there were just clashes between the two and this and that, they failed to report uh, why the clashes even started in the first place. Now, this was a free speech rally. Now, people didn't come there to fist fight. They came there for the rally but this stuff has happened in Berkeley before, so this time they came prepared. They had helmets. They had glasses, you know, goggles, respirators, and other things. I heard reports of some of the rally attendees being having some things confiscated, like Mace and stuff like that about when the anti anti fake anti fa anti fa or whatever came in uh all hell seemed to break loose, however, this time the antifa was were outnumbered, and the free speech rally attendees started fighting back, and the videos are definitely worth looking up now. Another thing I'd like to mention too was the media was quick to report on this girl getting punched in the face. A uh, man identified as I think Nathan D'Amico, something D'Amico, uh, because it, well he's a he's got some website. Something, yeah, he's he's one of these, you know, so-called white nationalist people, I guess. Uh, so, media likes to bring that up and and call him a <laughs> neo-Nazi and and things like that. Well, there's a video. He's punching this protester in the face. It's it's this woman, small woman wearing a mask and all this all this stuff. She's wearing dreadlocks, and so they le- they left media, quickly picked up on that. Now, however, if feel look in the video, she's cr- clearly trying to cause trouble attacking, and she is seen in other videos, uh, swinging glass bottle, acting in violent manners. She even posted on social media that she is going there to leave with 100 Nazi scalps. So, and it is well known, I guess from people that either attend these protests that antifa show up to that they'll use women in the front lines as I like a meat wall or whatever because they know it's you know seen bad in society to hit a woman but the women are armed and the people behind them will come up and attack much like in this story here that I'm Going to cover, report, antifa ULOC attacker from Berkeley identified as College Professor Eric Clanton. So they have this video here, and they are having a conversation.
1: Yeah,
2: you. Oh,
0: there's some women in the front lines here. Oh, there's some music. They added some special effects to this video. So yeah, they're yelling at each other. And there's this guy kind of, I think he's trying, it looks like he's not trying to, maybe even trying to stop a fight. And some guy just runs up to him and whacks him really hard with this metal bike lock and his head's bleeding. So a little bit from this article, there's an interesting report going around on Twitter and can be sourced to the other sleuths over at 4chan's poll. According to this report, a guy who is violently attacking free speech supporters at Berkeley and it says in parentheses, with a fucking gigantic metal lock, by the way. is none other than college, a college professor. So uh, the it uh, article says, yeah, I know you all will be just as shocked as to, to learn that ac- academia is a violent thug in a professional position. That's pretty much unprecedented. Meet Eric Clanton, who has a degree at from the San Francisco Slate University. Although the only proof I see of him teaching there is this uh, professor rating page. I think it's ratemyprofessor.com. And has been trolled to hell. So yeah, a lot of people leaving reviews for him as a college professor. Well, anyway, they got a little piece of his face and they started matching it up to this guy... Now there's a new article out that's just a few hours old on his website, narrative-collapse.com. Victim to press charges against ethics professor accused of bashing conservatives with U-lock. The victim was Sean, uh, Sean Stiles. The, this article says... At two of the violent anti fa riots in Berkeley, a masked man assaulted multiple people with a bicycle U-lock. Many people, including a victim, believe the perpetrator to be Eric Canton. Eric Canton is a professor of ethics at Diablo Valley College, DVC. This is a two-year community college in uh, Pleasant Valley, California. DVC confirmed that Canton does teach at the school. They are aware of the accusations, but they're not issuing any comment at, the, at this times. I think it's just supposed to say this time. Canton states, on his OkCupid profile, I'm interested in helping to precipitate the end of civil society. After being fingered online, Canton deleted his Twitter account and an alumni profile at SFSU, where he used to be a grad student. One of the victims, Sean Stiles, who was attacked last uh, Saturday, um, or is Sean Stiles, who was attacked last Saturday, a video shows a masked man hit him on the head with a metal object without warning. Members of the politically incorrect subsection of the popular internet forum 4chan.org, also known as forward slash poll, issued the accusation against Eric Canton as identified or, and identified Sean Stiles. The first video below showcases the evidence presented by Paul. I didn't watch this video yet. Maybe I'll take a quick look. It's two minutes long. They just gonna, Well, you can see the pictures online. Let me see if this is actually the video of, of it happening here. You can hear the audio. There's some fighting going on. This is pretty. Holy cow, this guy is Captain America. Whoa. Yeah, there's there's another video of him swinging that. Yeah, the the sole purpose of Antifa is pretty much to use violence to shut down opposition. It's amazing how the how the media will treat them as just counter-protesters, ignoring the fact that they're they're showing up there with metal weapons, M80s, and bricks and everything else to cause violence and to disrupt any kind of gathering that doesn't fit their communist narrative. And there's a one YouTube video I was watching where the per one of the uh, narrator of the video or, or whatever host is pretty much laid out Said you you want to be safe and you're in one of these situations just start punching punching the women <laughs> punch the antifa women they're there armed they're there to be in the foreground to prevent you from stopping violence but they are there to harm you you know, if you watch the videos, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You can't get into the front lines or encounter the front lines of this Antifa group using their whatever black-block tactics with, uh, without risk of getting maced or pegged with something. So this woman that got punched, Oh, by the way, I, before I move on to that. There was another article about this Eric Cantor person. I'm going to look at real quick just to see if there's anything to add. I don't see anything right now. I did want to mention this YouTube video. This uh, was this is from CBS, San Francisco Bay Area. They have a eight-minute-long interview with this woman, who was swinging a glass bottle, and the one that got punched by Nathan D'Amico. In the morning, and got there around. And basically, she is. Um, yeah, everything If you, if you listen to what, what her. Was oh, blah, blah, blah. She. I'm not going to play the thing, the whole thing But if you, if you listen to what she's saying Versus what you can tell from the video uh, She's Completely leaving out uh, Any Kind of information To let you know That she was there to cause violence And kind of making herself out to be the victim And the CBS fell for it hook, line, and sinker Or intentionally wanted to create that narrative. I mean, who even knows at this point? The media is just so terrible. But anyway, this video uploaded April 17th. 250,000 views. Almost 24,000 dislikes versus 200 likes. People calling out the uh, news organization and her for misrepresenting that story. And, by the way, this woman, Luis Rosalma or whatever, the article says, by the way, her name, Luis Rosalma, never intended to become the face of the movement, but Monday she had... Well, she's also the hairy vagina of the movement because you can see pictures of of her just that on... Line as found by more snoopers, you know. Leave it to 4chan. From politically, 4chan uses from politically incorrect to do better investigations than the FBI or other law enforcement. It seems they had a pretty impressive. Theft of Sheila Buff. I think I'm finally saying that correct. His name, Sh- Shila Buff. Sheila Buff. His, his capture of his flag. It was uh, absolutely hilarious. So, anything else? There's a few other articles I wanted to go over. I'm going to take a quick break though, and I'll be back in a quick minute. So, just hold tights I meant to play the other song but I hit this one by accident. Make the mood more tense by accident here. Oppressive Gloom by Kevin McLeod. Same guy, same website in compotech.com is the other song. Where is that song? I'm looking at my soundboard. I'm trying to find the song. I don't have my sounds and music in any logical order and by the way those at that rally there's 21 arrested I'm guessing a mix of both Trump supporters and counter protesters counter violence instigators. Now I don't know where else you really see that. What other group goes around instead of counter-protesting, actually just deliberately committing acts of violence? Let's get off that topic. Let's let's get on. Let's see. Oh, I gotta do. A I gotta do a security clearance here for this website. Captcha. What is it? Is that how to pronounce it? Captcha. This article I wanted to read here it doesn't trust me. I don't like these things. Sometimes I can't read them correctly. Complete. Let me in. Want to see this article on similarweb.com, U.S. Media Publications, ranking March 2017. By Danielle Civette. <clears throat> Again, if you'd like to call in, 602-753-3005, 602-753-3005. The latest similar web U.S. media publications ranking is here. The Trump administration continues to drive traffic to media publications in the U.S. This month saw several other news items driving audience, audience interests, most notably March Madness but also anticipated tech releases and global news items. Top non-branded keywords. While the Trump administration continues to be a significant force in non-branded keywords, Trump alone is responsible for 4.45% of the traffic. We are also seeing an increased interest in tech. Nintendo Switch, Galaxy S8, and other news, London, North Korea, China... Both are the top non-branded keywords driving traffic to publishing websites in the U.S. in March 2017. And the top keywords are... Number 1, Trump. Number 2, Donald Trump. Number 3, Nintendo Switch. Number 4, Trump News. Number 5, London. Number 6, Doodle for Google. I don't even know what that is. Number 7, North Korea... 8 International Women's Day 9 Galaxy S8 and 10 China Based on the combination of desktop and website traffic in March 2017 the top U Top 100 media publications ranking looking like this 1 msn.com I don't get that one how is that one so big i used, that used to be The homepage of Internet Explorer. Are people still using Internet Explorer? It's not even called that anymore. It's called Edge or something like that. Uh, um, That just surprised me. That's number one. Number two, ESPN. Number three, Drudge Report. So that's a. uh, I think that's up. Well, it shows that they're down from a monthly change. Um, ESPN.com is up too. MSN was number one uh news.google.com is number four then finance finance.yahoo.com which is interesting I, I go to news.yahoo news.yahoo.com i don't know what the difference is i guess i can find out right now just nobody's calling in i'll see for myself Here's an interesting headline on Yahoo News right now. Missing Tennessee student found ex-teacher arrested. We'll go over that before I end the show. Here's a good one for 420. Meet a family that smokes weed together. I guess in light of 420, I should do a weed thing. And Yahoo Finance. Much like Yahoo News. Um... Yeah, just slightly different and different stories. All right, guess I've been missing out all these years. Uh, Let's see, number six, CNN, 7sports.yahoo.com dot yahoo dot com. Can't they just do Yahoo? Yahoo News. Is there even news dot yahoo dot com? Oh yeah, it is, and it's rank number thirty-two. That's pretty surprising. But well, I'd like to see more of these here. So number eight after sports Fox News, then New York Times, then Washington Post, then BuzzFeed. That's scary. Then Huffington Post, the BuzzFeed out Huffington Posts Huffington Post. Um, there it's like almost the same thing. Except I don't know. I don't know which one's. More idiotic, And then as uh, I'd have to, I should do a study on that. Um, then comes Business Insider, CNET, USA Today, BBC, Daily Mail, Forbes, NBC News, CBS Sports, on and on and on. A lot of, a lot of uh, sites that I reference with this show. Just looking look, looking down the list a little bit more. Quite a few of these that are pretty high ranking I don't visit. A lot of the sites I visit are lower ranking too. So interesting stuff, zero hedge is pretty big. Gotten some stuff, I didn't know they were that big. Uh, they're ranked number 53. Pretty close to Reuters, which is 49. That's interesting. Uh, There's a couple articles that I wanted to go over last time, didn't get to. One, leaked NSA malware threatens Windows users around the world. And uh, another one, how federal agencies keep Americans in the dark about crime statistics. And I read uh, read a little bit of the malware one, but I didn't read the federal agencies keeping Americans in the dark, so I'm just going to... Go over the first couple paragraphs in each, and see if there's anything worth noting. So this article on the Intercept, you know what? I don't think I read this entire article. I'm probably going to go over it quickly here, but I'll probably look at it a little bit more later. The uh, shadow brokers an entity previously confirmed by the Internet or the Intercept. This is by Sam Biddle, by the way. Article titled, Leaked NSA Malware Threatens Windows Users Around the World. I think I've already said that. Um, Shadow brokers and entity previously confirmed by the Intercept to have leaked authentic malware used by the NSA to attack computers around the world. Today released another cache of what appears to be extremely potent and previously unknown software capable of breaking into systems running Windows. The software could give nearly anyone with sufficient technical knowledge, the ability to wreak havoc on millions of Microsoft users. The leak uh, includes a litany of typically codenamed software implants with names like Oddjob, Beer, and Esteem Audits capable of breaking into and, in some cases, seizing control of computers, running versions of the Windows operating system earlier than most recent Windows 10, the vulnerable uh, Windows versions ran more than 65% of desktop computer computers surfing the web last month according to estimates of or from the tracking firm net market share so I wish um, soft more software companies would get on the jump on the Linux train I'm pretty close to switching over to Linux myself I enjoy it I've enjoyed BSD anyway. I haven't used Linux as much, but from what I've seen of it, I like. It is becoming more and more usable for the average computer user. And it's time for Microsoft to take a break. I think their software gets increasingly frustrating, more and more frustrating to use, and less user-friendly. More intrusive and so forth. I'm gonna jump to the Breitbart article How Federal Agencies Keep Americans in the Dark About Crime Statistics. The Department of Justice should keep the public informed about the results of former President Barack Obama's decision to grant early release of one thousand seven hundred and fifteen convicts, says a former federal prosecutor. What eternal Attorney General Jeff Sessions, Justice Department needs to do now is track the hundreds of fellows who got these pardons and communications. The former former federal prosecutor Bill Otis, or said him, said Bill Otis, with overall, oh, what's this word? Recidivism, recidivism. With overall recidivism rates for. Drug offenses already being uh, 77%. I think we have a pretty good idea, but the public should get specifics. How many of these guys re-offend? What's the nature of the new crime? Were there related violent crimes in the mix as well? And how many victims including, but not limited to, addicts and overdose victims were there? Uh, Let's see just reading the article a little bit more like I said I didn't read this before I thought it'd be something different well if I wasn't uh, doing a live show I'd probably read a little bit more I'm gonna go on to some other things now there was another shooting unfortunately this one is in Fresno hate crime is suspected After gunman Kills Three White Men in Downtown Fresno on LA Times. This is another article I saw, and I didn't get all the details on. I had a busy couple of days, so I actually went a couple of days without reading much news. So I'm going to read more on this and learn with you if you haven't heard all this either. Corey Ali Muhammad told his family there was a war going on between blacks and whites in America. On social media, he referred to white people as devils. Earlier in the year, he released a rap album replete with violent, explicit, racially charged lyrics, including referring to himself in one song as a black soldier. On Tuesday morning, police say Muhammad stalked The streets of downtown Fresno, fatally shooting three white men with a 357 revolver before surrendering to police, he allegedly shouted Allahu Akbar and expressed hatred toward white people and the government, according to Fresno Police Chief Jerry Dyer. Local authorities said they don't believe the attack was an act of terrorism but are investigating it as a hate crime. Quote, In fact, he's lashing out at white people, white males in this case. That would constitute a hate crime, Dyer said. Um, Continuing, we believe it is a hate crime, definitely a hate crime. Chief said investigators don't believe Mohammed worked with anyone else in the attack on an individual that is filled with hate, filled with anger. Attack began around 10.45 a.m. in the 300 block of North Van Ness Avenue. Within a few seconds, a second burst of gunfire was heard, and then a third and a fourth. 16 rounds were fired in four locations. After the shots were heard, Dyer said the driver of a PG&E truck arrived at the city's police headquarters to report that a passenger had been shot by a gunman who approached them on foot. After mortally wounding the truck passenger, Muhammad walked west on East Milretta Avenue where he came across a resident and opened fire but missed his target, Dyer said. Muhammad continued walking on Mildreda and approached Fulton Street where he fatally shot a second man before reloading his weapon. He then headed toward Catholic Charities on the 100 block of North Fulton Street, and fired another fatally fatal volley of gunfire, killing a man in the parking lot. An officer in the area spotted the gunman running south to, on Fulton, and he dove into the ground. was taken into custody. And as he was taken into custody, Yellow Alahu Akbar. I'm just looking through the rest of my bookmarks here. I think I'm going to move on to. The last couple articles here. Missing Tennessee student Elizabeth Thomas found former teacher Tad Cummings arrested in California. I don't know much about this story, but I just saw it in the headlines. So I wanted to read read a little bit about it. Former Tennessee teacher Tad Cummings, who is accused of kidnapping his 15-year-old student, was arrested in Northern California Thursday after more than a month on the run, according to Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. The student Elizabeth Thomas has been rescued, officials said, describing her healthy and unharmed. uh, Around 11 p.m. Wednesday, and or Wednesday, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation received a call to its tip line about a possible sighting of the duel, according to TBI police or public TBI public information. uh, Rather, Officer Josh Devine, the Siskiyou County Sheriff's Office in California, had received a similar tip. Once investigators located a Nissan Rogue, they were able to confirm through its VIN number that it belonged to Cummings. The car was then kept under surveillance for several hours. Thirties from the Siskiyou County Sheriff's Office found a pair at a cabin in a rural area in Cecilville early Thursday morning. Deputies set up a perimeter around the cabin and elected to wait until the morning to arrest Cummings as he exited the residence. The Sheriff's Department said in a press release, as Abe broke, Cummins surrender without incidents, and Elizabeth was safely recovered by law enforcement officers, according to the TBI. Two loaded handguns are found in the cabin. According to the Sheriff's Office, Cummins was charged with aggravated kidnapping and sexual contact with a minor, according to Lawrence County Attorney General Brent Cooper. The U.S. State Attorney's Office for Middle District of Tennessee has also filed a federal charge of transportation of a minor across state lines. With intent of having criminal sexual intercourse against Cummins, said uh, U.S. Attorney Jack Smith, the charge carries a mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years. He also faces charges see kidnapping, possession of stolen property, charges are pending for review, those are... It takes several weeks for Cummins to be extradited, extradited to Tennessee... The Efforts to re- reunite Elizabeth with her family remain ongoing. A TBI aircraft is on its way to California and will bring Elizabeth, who is currently in FBI custody, custody, to Redding, California, home to Tennessee authorities. Set. So, see if there's any. See, Waltley we speculated that Cummins had planned an escape to Northwest due to the sighting of or the sighting of the parent Oklahoma City Walmart along Interstate 44. Police of California said that the special police unit were able to rescue Elizabeth after they swooped in the cabin with force. Family is not making a media statement until they speak with Elizabeth. Cummins, married father and grandfather. Research teen marriage online, specifically the age of consent. Just eight days after he allegedly took Elizabeth. Three days before the alleged kidnapping Cummings... Did an online search about his car to determine if certain features could be tracked by law enforcement. Let's see, one of Elizabeth's schoolmates reported seeing her in Cummins kiss. This is the missing uh, student here in the classroom on January January 23rd, according to a school district investigative report. Both denied the claim. So it seems there might have been some kind of romance going on here. TBI director saying this is not a fairy tale. This is a case of kidnapping. So yes, uh, article from Good Morning America. It looks like missing Tennessee student found. Lots of comments in this article. 4,000. Let's see what the top comments say by Rick. Good luck getting her to testifying... Supposed to be testified against, against him. While kidnapping charges. They ran away together. End of story. I'm not saying it alright for older man To run away with a kid. But that's just what happened. And she might. She might come to her senses or whatever. If she talks to her family. Who knows. So the last article I'll go over on Yahoo News. By Lisa Belkin. A family that smokes weed together. You know what, I'll see if I can just play the audio. Give me a break. Been talking for an hour. So excuse the wait while this loads. This be my internet in typical slow fashion. Or not working at all fashion, it seems to be right now. Yeah, it just doesn't want to work. Well, that's no fun. What a buzzkill. See, it was Thanksgiving afternoon in Madison, Connecticut. Four years ago, the... And the Chi-Chi family, Chechi or something like that, was getting ready for dinner just before the... Turkey served. Paige Chechi. Then an 18-year-old college freshman gave her older sister Lauren the look... Paige remembers, as we realized, dad had caught the look. She says of her father, who was 66, and Aunt Denise. I'm Paige up. Checky. Oh, this is my sister, Lauren. This is my off. dad,
2: Mike. And we're a family that smokes cannabis together.
0: All right. Well, video's working, so. I was taught from
2: a very young age that marijuana is bad. And it's something that you should stay away from, and it's something that you should say no to. When I was a. Sophomore in high school, we decided to go on a family vacation to...
0: Oh, come on, you piece of junk.
2: Jamaica, we all piled into this Bob Marley-themed bus. So we finally get to Bob Marley's house and my dad's the first online. So that's when I started to figure out that, you know, he might be a cannabis user.
0: (laughs) I'm the dad. As the video pausing here, he's lighting up a pipe.
1: I'm 66 years old, and I've been in the cannabis for probably 50 years. I didn't go out of my way to say, you know, come on, we have it, I have it, you could have it. None of that. I felt that, you know, they were on their own. You know, if they were going to smoke it, they were going to have to find their own.
2: We had, like, this understanding that we all enjoyed cannabis.
1: Don't dip into my
0: stash, dude.
2: Because of societal pressures, I guess, we kept it to ourselves until it was an appropriate age. You know, until I went to college, we didn't consume together. We're about to sit down for Thanksgiving dinner, and me and my sister give the look. (laughs) Are we going to go puffs? (laughs) Then we look across the table and we see that Dad saw our look. We look at Dad and we're like, he's definitely going to go smoke upstairs in his bathroom, so uh, let's all go smoke together.
1: So we were right out and the backyard and we weren't really far from the house and we're passing it, you know, Pass Pass Puff, and all of a sudden you see like everybody's looking out the window. It's Puff Puff Pass, not Pass Pass Puff. What's going on out there? (laughs) Uh, But that was kind of the, the, the defining, I think that kind of took the edge off of the whole family.
2: So ever since we started smoking together on Thanksgiving, now we kind of do it when we see each other.
1: But I always had the checks and balances in place. You know, I know that they weren't, you know, smoking for five days straight and didn't know what was going on. And and I was always cautious about it being what everybody calls, uh, you know, the entry drug. You know, as far as anyone getting harmed on cannabis, I can't reflect back on any bad situation related to cannabis.
2: Recreational laws haven't caught up in Connecticut yet, so we do it the old school way. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm not worried about my daughters or myself being arrested because there is those compliance issues that carrying is okay as long as you have small quantities. And we don't go out of our way to get into trouble.
2: I wrote my thesis on the cannabis industry, so now I'm focusing on business and product mother development. mother and the family. I really do love my job. And
0: Maybe they the all hide their weed smoking is from her. why because
2: I have the freedom to pursue it without feeling... Like, my family's going to judge me.
1: And as long as they like what they're doing and they're creating and they're moving along, I think it's all good.
2: We turned out pretty freaking awesome. We turned out pretty cool.
0: <laughs> weed and the American Family. Yeah, who knows. Alright, well there, there's your uh, fun family Weed story to top the episode with. And I want to thank... Everybody for joining Caldwell Madison Review episode 57. We are live Mondays and Thursdays 8 o'clock Central Time where you can call in or download the better audio quality versions at a later date on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Medicine and on iTunes. And uh, uh, thanks for tuning in. And I hope everybody has a great weekend. And I'll hope to catch you next time.